Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives and strengthening the relational fabric of the family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your host. Good day, everyone. This is John A. Warnick, founder of the Purposeful Planning Institute, and it's my deep privilege and honor to introduce to our community, Carol Merrick, whose practice is called, I believe, Solo and Smart. And Carol, I'd love to have you, if you could just quickly kind of share a little bit of your professional odyssey, how you've gotten to where you are today and what how you're serving today. I think that'd be very interesting to our listeners. Oh, sure. Thank you, Johnny. I, I really appreciate the invitation to uh, to be interviewed by you and, and for your audience on this growing topic of uh, aging alone. And how I have come about to serving this market is because I am a solo ager. I am aging alone. Uh, I was a family caregiver. Well, my sisters and I, it took three of us, three loving daughters, <laughs> to help both my parents, uh, our, our parents, age at home. And my mom lived with several chronic illnesses. My dad lived with Alzheimer's. And so it took all three of us a almost full time. However, I was working uh, at a job, at a real full-time job, and helping my parents and relieving my sisters from from all of the burden that it uh, that it required taking care of both of them. And it was it was pretty horrendous in terms of uh, my mom's health because she had failing she had several failing uh, chronic illnesses. So it required a lot of uh, doctor and medical treatment attention. So she went to the doctors quite frequently. And uh, so what had happened was once once they both passed, which was about seven to 10 years out of all three of us giving them constant care, you know, it really hit me over the head because I, I was reminiscing Looking back of all of, of everything that was required of both myself and my sisters to help my parents with. And, and it just hit me over the head because I was, it showed me and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because I'm a solo ager. I thought I have no child, no adult child, son, daughter, whatever <laughs> to look out for me, nor do I have a spouse. So I thought, oh, my gosh, it really shocked me into reality and uh, just coming out of caregiving. And, and fortunately for me, I was 55 at the time. So it gave me ample time to prepare. And uh, that's when I launched a pretty well, several years after that, I launched a Facebook group because I wondered how many other people are like me in this, you know, in this circumstance of aging alone. And I realized, you know what? It's even people who have children uh, because they can live far apart, live in a just 
just live at a distance and not be able to take care of uh, either of their parents. So it really it really comes up to the individual or if that individual identifies with the term aging alone or solo aging. So that's what I discovered. And that Facebook group is uh, is very large and we've gained fortunately gained a lot of media attention with it. And, and fortunately, people are starting to uh, wake up. You know, our society is waking up to some of our uh, some of the issues that uh, people will face, even if you're married. <laughs> These are the issues that we will face as we grow older. So that's it in a nutshell. Thank you. That, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> and I do believe the audience of or the world of the solo ager is much larger than we realize. I'm curious, do you have any estimate of how many seniors there are that are living solo? Uh, yes, I do. And I always fall back to the U.S. Census. And uh, in 2010, the U.S. Census uh, uh, told us or reported that 27 percent of individuals 65 and older, and this is 65, uh, are living alone. So that's 27 percent of the 65 plus and in 2020, that has grown now to closer to uh, 31%. So we are growing. And, and that's the 65. And I keep saying that because there are many of us, as I understand, between 50 and 65 is, is closer to about 19 to 20 million people who are aging alone. And by the way, just so you know, uh, AARP did a study with the uh, Housing Institute in the Smithsonian Housing Institute in Washington, D.C. back in 2017. They did a, uh, a study on the growing, you know, are really measuring our uh, house uh, or what we call our housing market here in, in the U.S. And the the age the people who are living alone not necessarily and we're talking all all ages right now eighteen and over uh, the single adult is the fastest growing population or segment in the housing industry today. It used to be the uh, nuclear family was the largest population, but that's no longer the case. Nuclear family is now twenty percent of our housing industry. Whereas the solo or uh, people who are living alone is 28%. And that was 2017. So I think that's probably has uh, increased since going then. up. Yeah. Yeah. That, those are great. Thank you for those statistics. I think it really does help us measure the market, uh, the opportunity, the need. Carol, what are the key challenges that our clients face when they're aging solo? Oh, gosh, John, uh, it, it seems like, uh, you know, even before this recession has <laughs> has taken hold on our economy, uh, which has really exacerbated it. However, uh, how I like to look at our top issues is uh, it, it, I call them the top 10 domains, and those would address your housing uh, health. Well, I, I always start with health because that's in the top category. Health and finances are the top two really uh, domains that play centric or have a central 
uh, kind of uh, are central to our aging well. So there's health, finances, housing, legal matters. Then there's social connections, uh, support network, life and life purpose, faith and community, our faith and spirituality, the our fun and engagement, and uh, also finding transportation, especially during those times when we are unable to drive, are the top ten domains. Those are the same ones that my parents faced. You know, it's it's a beautiful survey of the landscape of of need and challenge, and uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities to be addressed there. I remember one of the biggest challenges, which probably is kind of tied into one of those key challenges that you mentioned, maybe two of them actually. Um, but one of the biggest challenges that that my wife and I faced when we were trying to provide kind of caregiver support at a distance uh, for my father and and very close up uh, with my mother-in-law when they were in their 80s, late 80s and 90s. My mother-in-law lived to be almost 96. My dad was just a few months shy of his 97th birthday. But what we really found to be a constant challenge was caregiver turnover. We just settle in with a quality and qualified caregiver and something would happen in their life which would disrupt their ability to support our parents. So I'm curious, what what suggestions, what have you seen in terms of this caregiver turnover challenge and how, how might we best address that problem or can we? Uh, well, we have to. <laughs> it's not, and, and I'm not sure. And yes, there are ways that we can address it. And that's why I really, really encourage people to start looking at the aging issues that we will likely face. And I say likely, however, it probably it's more like we will face when we get older. Now, I know it's not a very provocative topic, aging. We all hate to think about it. We all hate the thought of growing old and becoming feeble and not taking care of ourselves and and looking the way we look because of all of our wrinkles and, and all of that that goes with aging. However, you know, I, I keep drumming it in to pre-retirees. We have got to start thinking about this, uh, you know, as early as 50, if at all possible. I started at 55 and I'm ever grateful because what I did I knew that I didn't have sons or daughters, and and maybe you do. Maybe the audience who's listening has sons and daughters and thinks, well, you know, my my daughter Mary will look out for me, and hopefully she does. You know, hopefully she does. However, Mary may live 200 to 1,000 miles away from you. Then what? So, So how who will you call to look out for you? And in terms of a specific caregiver, I rather think of it as let's let's start thinking about the different ways we can create support right where we live. And that means our neighbors. It means our friends. It means a peer, you know, like minded peers that live in our community. Now, I'm not saying that we want to rely on our friends to take care of us and to become our caregivers, although that would be nice, but I, I don't recommend that. 
It's a good way to lose your friends, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, there are some strategies and some things that we can put in place, like safety check-in calls, for example. Uh, Do we have someone who who will uh, text us, you know, who texts us frequently, who may call us frequently just to say, hi, just checking in to see if you're okay. Uh, those kinds of support systems in our, uh, to create that right where we live and hopefully start getting to know our neighbors and uh, putting yourself in circumstances where people see you. And if they don't see you one day, they start to question, well, I wonder what happened to Carol. I haven't seen her since Saturday. And here it is Wednesday. I wonder if she's okay. So these are simple strategies that we can start thinking about. Now, in terms of caregiving, you know, that's that's a tough one. And I think that's something as as a community, we need to start thinking about and start uh, looking at different ways to uh, to encourage or to have caregivers that will actually come into our home. You know, one of the ways that uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, PAPA, it's just called P-A-P-A, and they have an app that connects older individuals with college students, college students in your nearby, this in, in your community to provide not necessarily hands-on caregiving, but they can come in to run an errand for you. They can do some light cooking, come in and have a companion visit. Uh, just these young kids that are uh, wanting uh, like a part-time job. And, and also they appreciate uh, being and learning from an, an older individual that perhaps could be their mentor. So uh, that's another you know, kind of outside the box thinking. And yes, we need to start thinking of different uh, type of strategies like this. I know of a few people who who have uh, who offer or open uh, up their home to a college student for, you know, not necessarily free rent, but uh, low cost rent. And in exchange, you know, that college student will run errands for them or they'll do some sort of uh, other type of, I don't know, you know, handiwork yeah. around the house, for example, or that's even a, grocery shopping. Right. Right. That's that's a beautifully symbiotic relationship I can see. And, and my dad, I know he and his twin brother, they they lived in the basement of a widow's home. And, and I remember him describing um, how they would help the widow. And uh, it was it was a, a a little bit of a bargain on the cost of housing for them yes. with some responsibility. I Carol, it, you know, when we find solutions to the caregiving needs, and when we think about all these ten domains that you're talking about, I from my father's life, I can see how the fact that he was engaged, he he was still cultivating friendships. He was reading to uh, first graders, you know, um, he had to have somebody driving to get out to those to the elementary school. But I think a lot of that meaningful activity in my dad's life contributed to him living as long as he did. And I, we had uh, a guest on a webinar maybe 10 years ago who is a bioethicist and she 
she talked about not end of life planning, but quality of life planning. And I really think that's what we're talking about here. I, I think one of the greatest, and you were kind enough to share it with me, and I, I really see the value in it. You've created a life plan assessment um, that you generously uh, make available. And I'm just wondering if you could take a few minutes to describe that tool, give us a glimpse into its benefits and let our listeners know how they can access it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the life plan assessment is, is based on my own life plan. Uh, I started to assess and evaluate at the age of 55 exactly where I am right now in terms of the top 10 life domains. And I needed to know in order for me to age well alone without relying on many, like family, for example, uh, I knew that wasn't in my future. So I needed to know what do I need to do to prepare to age as best as I can. Uh, and I started with, uh, so I started looking at my finances. I did this quick life assessment for myself. And, and so what the life assessment really does, it helps an individual to identify their weaknesses, where they're falling short, which life domain are they falling short in? And because if, and I highly encourage people to know at least their, their top three life domains, their weaknesses, uh, because, you know, you have time then to start improving them, start doing some small changes, making different, you know, changing your habits, perhaps, uh, or just looking for ways and researching for ways to make improvements. And I can give you an example. For me, my finances were really bad at the age of 55. However, I mean, I had some things in place which were solid, but I had no emergency fund. My, I didn't, I had very little savings. I, I had very little uh, retirement savings. Uh, so I, I focused, it took about five years but uh, I hired a financial planner. We worked a, a real stringent plan. I became very uh, frugal <laughs> and very conservative with my money. And fortunately, within five to six years, I was I was well. You know, I'm still you know still working on it. And because we all have to pay attention to our money, however, I was in a lot better shape than than I was when I was 55, when I started, started out. And then I looked at my health and in the top concern, there would be your family medical history to really understand what that is. And are you prone to uh, perhaps, you know, taking on some, you know, having or being diagnosed with the same chronic illnesses? And if you are, then, you know, start tackling it right now, you know, create a care plan with your doctor and, and, and start making improvements to for your health. It could be changing your diet. It could be uh, increasing your fitness. Uh, it could be mental issues, you know, dealing with depression, your isolation, perhaps. Uh, but unfortunately, we cannot sweep these issues under the table. Uh, because if we do, it'll catch up with you. 
and and it'll they'll play havoc on your future. Uh, it, it, they just will. So the life plan in general, just to give you a quick uh, su- uh, summation, uh, does ask 15 questions per life domain. And af- after you take that, uh, complete the assessment, you it, it will tell you where you're falling short. You know, it'll show you your top risk, your top second risk and your third risk. And then I will give a report back to you telling you or giving you some some ways or steps to rectify them and start making improvements. And there are, and then to go on, I've created a course that will take you into a deeper dive in, into that. I just I stand in awe, Carol, of what you created. <laughs> it's a real gift to the world. And thank you. Thank you for the the wisdom that you've shared with us. I the big takeaway for me today is that we need to start earlier and not wait until we get into crisis moments. The quality of life will be significantly enhanced and our lifetimes probably lengthen if we start early with this planning. So, and I, I really, I'm so grateful that you connected with a financial planner and I tip my hat to all those financial planners who are making contributions to help individuals create purposeful aging moments. Absolutely. Um, yes. So Carol, if someone wants to reach out and get the life plan assessment, start with that or to reach out to you, how do they best contact you? Um, thank you for asking. Uh, my website is my name, carolmarock.com. And on the homepage, you will I I actually describe the life plan assessment. So it's easy accessible or easy access on my uh, website, Carol Marak, M-A-R-A-K.com. Or you can send an email to Carol at CarolMarak.com. Great. Carol at CarolMarak.com would be the email address. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's program. And if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation. And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network, resources, and tools you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. Learn more at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com. Mm-hmm.